this was a mindset show on a Sunday evening. But the t- topic of the show was relationships and networking is the new currency for 2021. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Welcome back. You're listening to Where Should I Invest? It is Sarah Larby and today's guest is the one and only TV star from Flipping Boston. I don't know if you have watched Flipping Boston in the past or have heard about it. Dave Seymour is our guest today, and he has a ton of awesome information and insights on this podcast, and uh, I'm excited for you guys to hear it. Originally, actually, he immigrated from the UK to Boston in the mid-80s, and originally his American dream didn't go so well, and he didn't have a plan, and he was drowning in debt. And fast forward to the future, He's got a tremendously successful real estate investing business. He now has, uh, you know, history in television and radio and podcasting and flipping Boston. You know, he's learned a ton through that show also by, you know, doing flipping and uh, taking some old properties and uh, doing some really cool stuff with that. So I, I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. We have a great conversation and also we are launching a live event October 6th at the Live Real Factory, which is in Markham. If you are interested, send me a message. That is October 6th. We are going to have an awesome event with a comedian, with real estate conversations, with networking, with food, with drinks. Uh, So we're going to try to make it, it's going to be an awesome event. We're going to make it very, very exclusive in the sense that we are limiting the capacity, but we also want to make sure that we get to speak to all of you that are attending. And uh, and so if you are interested, again, send me an email and I will send you more information on that. And now let's bring in Dave Seymour. Dave, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm well, Sarah. Thanks for having me. How are you? Good, good. I'm excited to have you on. Now, uh, for the listeners, can you give us a little bit of a description on uh, how you got into real estate and a little bit about you? Yeah, sure. Um, It's funny, we were talking before we started uh, recording here and you're like, you know, it's a Canadian podcast. I know you're you're not Canadian. Well, you're absolutely right. I'm not American either. I was uh, was born in London. Yeah, I emigrated to the States back in 86. So I'm very, uh, I'm very familiar with the uh, fiscal responsibility of the Canadians and the, and the British because I grew up in that environment. But um, then, then I came to the wild, wild west, the United States of America, where you could spend more money than you earn. But um, <laughs> <laughs> right. and not go to jail for it either. You just file bankruptcy and start all over again. What a crazy it's, country. It's so, it's so different. Just curious, where in the U.S. are you? I'm in Boston, just not just north of Boston. Um, when I first emigrated, I lived in uh, in New York City for a while, which was which was fantastic. I mean, I came from London to New York. Somebody delivered me bacon and eggs at four o'clock in the morning. I said, "I love this country. I'm going to stay here forever." <laughs> you know? like, do, you, do you think you picked up a bit of the accents from Boston? Look, I, yeah, yeah, more than a little bit. It's funny though. You know what, Sarah? If you if you put me on the phone with my dad. Back in England, I'll start talking like that again, love. You know what I mean? Then I just sound like a regular old Londoner. <laughs> Nobody understands anything. But if you're here in Boston, you've got to talk about the lobsters and all of that silliness. Um, mm-hmm. How did I get into real estate? I was, um, I was actually a firefighter and a paramedic. I served 16 years in a city called Lynn Mass, just north of Boston. And, uh, you know, to the, to the joke of, you know, financial illiteracy, I paid a price for that. 
um, found myself in, in some pretty dire straits. I had like $70,000 in unsecured debt. You know, my, my fiscal irresponsibility or um, I always say I was a financial illiterate. You know, I just, I just wasn't good with money. I was always trying to keep up with the Joneses, et cetera. But anyway, it put me in a pretty sad place. I was losing my primary residence, cost me a couple of marriages. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm screaming and shouting and looking for the, for the next best thing. I didn't know what to do next. And there was a teach me foreclosure. It was a commercial on the radio for a, for a real estate seminar. And I'm like, okay, God, I'm listening. You know, it was one of those moments. And that's how it really started. I went to a, went to an education seminar and, um, you know, I, I, I invested $27,000 on my now wife's credit cards and uh, she became my first private lender is what I always tell her. And mm -hmm. uh, the rest is history. I just implemented what I was taught. You know, here in the States, they've got some pretty um, fluid um, uh, outlooks towards real estate. You know, the, the wholesale transaction of selling contracts and, um, you know, uh, heavily invested in learning how to use other people's money because I, I didn't have any. Um, so I really took to those tactics. I really took to those strategies. I didn't, you know, I didn't overly second guess everything. I figured, you know, they're, they're the experts. Why am I going to find reasons why it doesn't work? Why don't I just, you know, take a leap of faith and know that it does work? And that's how it started from there. So very cool. Can I, can I ask how, how long you were in the U.S. before you started investing? Yeah, so I, uh, I was 20, just 20 years old. So I was 16, 17 years before I really started investing. I, um, you know, I followed, I followed the American dream, you know, get a good government job and a retirement mm -hmm. plan and have a wife and a kid and a house. It's going to be perfect. Well, that was all a bunch of crap. I failed miserably at that class, you know? It's like the biggest scam in the book, right? Work for 40 hours a week for 40 yeah. years of your life to retire on maybe 40% of your income. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know what? You tell me if you resonate with this. So I gave up, you know, working that hard for somebody else to make them rich. I go into entrepreneurship. I think I work double the amount of hours as an entrepreneur, but it doesn't feel like work. You know it, it, it doesn't at all. And, I, and at least you're making yourself wealthy and it's not somebody else at the top of the food right. chain. I, I personally right. actually just retired uh, from the J-O-B world myself in October of 2020. And I actually enjoyed my job. I had a great boss, a great team. It was a hard yeah. job to leave and, it, you know, I was doing well. But at the end of the day, you know, we, we do this for our lifestyle. We do this for, sure. for the freedom and the time. And, uh, and it just, it was, it was time. So I hundred percent. What, what, what were you doing? What did you retire from? I was in sales. So I worked at uh, Lavazza, the coffee company, uh, oh, okay, for, uh yeah. for the Canadian division. And, uh, it was, it yeah. was great. You know, before that it was always sales jobs. And, and I, I don't think I could ever do something else that was not sales other than, you know, obviously sure. real estate, because it gives you still that freedom to be out sure. there and do your own thing. But it was, uh, you know, it, it definitely wasn't a, a fireman job or, or something with a cushy pension. I will say my, my spouse, he's still working, hopefully not for too much longer, but he's a police officer. So similar, I guess, back oh, yeah. to, there you go. to where you, sure. you are, are from. And, uh, you know, but you're, you're right. Like a lot of them, they don't, you know, they, they've made it in their minds, right? They've made it. Sure. They have a cushy pension. They have a cushy job. So how was it that, that you know, it was maybe in your mindset, but how was it that you said, I, I don't want to be a fireman. I don't want to do this forever. I, I've got to do something bigger and better. You know, that's, that's a great, great question. I would love to tell you I was inspired, but I would be lying. I wasn't. I, I was beaten. I was beaten into submission. I was working 120 hours a week. I was working the fire department, construction. I ran a small construction company on my days off. And then I was working law enforcement. I was a special police officer. I worked in the jails. Um, 
you know, I was just, I was, it was wrong. The systems was broken. And, uh, you know, you said something three or four times there that I find interesting, but I know it's your perspective and you talk about a cushy job, cushy pension, right? And that's the perception. It really is. And the reality of it is, is that, you know, I, I couldn't look to my left and my right and see the guys who were not putting in the effort and yet getting the same rewards that I was. Sure. I got sick and tired of that crap. And um, I think a big part of my, my mindset shift was not only my financial situation, but also looking around me and thinking to myself, hold on a minute, I, I do more. I go to paramedic school. I get the extra training. You know, I, I, I show up for drills. I'm the guy who stands there for the, for the boot drive when we're raising money for the fire department. I'm the, I'm the participant. And yet my rewards are the same as this lazy SOB who's sitting next to me complaining that there's nothing on the TV to watch. You know, that, that kind yeah. of rubbed me the wrong way. So, you know, that was part of it as well, for sure, was to transition out. But I was beaten. I was beaten into submission. I was, a, I was a shell of a man. I wasn't in a good place when I started. Right. And so, and so how long did it take, I mean, you know, from, from you to get started, to start investing into real estate, and then actually leave your full-time job? Like, what was that timeline? Yeah, well, it wasn't long. It was probably 18 months, 18 months to, to two years. Um, you know, I started in 2008. And in 2008, if you told somebody you were in real estate, they thought you had a terminal <laughs> illness, remember? It was yeah. like, oh my God, you poor soul. I dominato spiritu sante, you know, may you rest in peace. Yeah. And, um, but I didn't know any different. I had an expectation of a 20% return on everything I did. I believed in what I was doing. I did a lot around personal development as well as my business development back then. And because I was in that seminar world and I actually did what I was taught, um, for some reason I was a, uh, you know, I was, I was exceptional and I was amazed by that. I looked around and, you know, 300 people in a room, they all invested in themselves and I'm the only one executing. It didn't make sense to me, but Hey, um, and because of that, um, I found myself on the other side of the curtain. I found myself in the education space and I started, you know, hanging out with the gurus, um, put me on stage. I did a, I did an event in Toronto with 16,000 people. Um, I was the MC at the event. I was working with Tony Robbins and Pitbull. Um, uh, I, I went there actually. I, I remember attending that event. It was one of the biggest ones that we yeah. had seen for a while. Unfortunately, I don't know when the next time we're going to be able to have so many people yeah, in the room is going to yeah, be, but yeah, you had <laughs> the, uh, the gentleman who was, um, he was a, a Canadian state police, uh, retired guy, but he was uh, a big, yes. uh, one of the dragons. Yeah, he was one of the dragons. Him and, and I were on stage. He had the Boston and, pizzas and stuff. Yeah, like Boston that. pizza. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Yeah. I can't remember his. Oh, uh, Jim Treliving? No, is it? Jim? Yes, yes. Yeah, Jim Treliving. Yeah. 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 You know, so, you know, being um, implemented what I learned put me in a lot of great places. And I got recognition for that. And next thing you know, I, you know I'm doing a, a national TV show. They're, they're, they're talking to the guys from Boston. I was still in the fire department. And um, I, I left the fire department because, I'll be honest with you, Sarah, it cost me too much money to go to the firehouse. You know, I used to, I used to pray for, for an overtime, for a night overtime, 14 hours, so that I could earn an extra $200 in my paycheck. Right. Now I spent, I went to dinner last night with my wife and spent 275 bucks on date night. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, um, it's, a different, it's a different world altogether. But that, that transition was probably 18, 24 months. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. 
Hey everyone, I just wanted to pause and share with you a financing tip that helped me scale my portfolio and can also help you as well. By working with Streetwise Mortgages, I took a strategic goals-based versus a transactional approach to financing, and they've helped me develop a financing roadmap that aligned with my goals and gave me some crystal clear clarity on where the money will come from to grow, how to maximize my borrowing power, how to structure future deals and avoid some costly mistakes, saving me thousands along the way. The financing roadmap is complimentary for every client who works with Streetwise and also very recently they've offered an additional summary report of the best to invest 18 Ontario markets and also a comprehensive deep dive research into a market of your choice out of those 18. I highly recommend that you take them up on that offer. If you're looking to grow your portfolio, to book a planning session and develop your financing roadmap, email info at streetwisemortgages.com. That is info at streetwisemortgages.com. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. And now back to the show. So it's a whole different lifestyle. And I want to go back because this podcast, and, and I have a lot of, you know, you guys listening to this every single week, my podcast was actually generated from attending that meeting. And there was a guy there that had a, a little uh, seminar talking about podcasting. And then I actually ended up taking his course and I'm like, well, I took the course. I'm going to start a podcast. And that was back in 2007. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know that guy. I started, um, started following him as well. He was going to help me out with a podcast. But I got, I got forced into podcasting because of 2020 uh, COVID. Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, now, now my team outreaches on my behalf. We spread the message about what we're doing today in real estate. And um, it's, such a, it's such a powerful medium. I do about, without exaggeration, 15 podcasts a week. I have my own radio show locally here in Boston, so I can offer reciprocity. Um, I'm doing a podcast tomorrow morning with uh, one of the, like, million-dollar listing realtors from New York City who's got a book. And she wants, you know, and she wants to do a podcast. So it's like, I, I was on, um, I got interviewed last night on our local radio show, the same uh, station where I have my show on Saturday mornings, but this was a mindset show on a Sunday evening. But the t topic of the show was um, uh, relationships and networking is the new currency for 2021. And mm -hmm. it's like, we don't know you and I just met on this podcast. We would love to tell your listeners, listeners that we've known each other for years and we go way, way back. But look, isn't that interesting that we have the commonality of that one specific event in Toronto? Yeah, and from cool. that, you podcast with this guy. I like that guy. You know, we, we get to, we find those commonalities. Who knows? I know, that there are, I know that there are investors all over Canada who are looking for high yields in America. You know what I mean? So who Absolutely. knows what comes out of, out of this relationship, you know? Absolutely. I mean, I, I will tell you that if somebody is thinking, okay, how do you open up opportunities and open doors and, and meet some really interesting people? I mean, the podcast is definitely by far the best thing that I've done because it allows sure. me to be able to, you know, go across the world and, and talk to some really awesome investors. But let's, let's get back to you for a second. Um, and, uh, you know, you mentioned reality TV. Can you talk about your show that you did? And I, I'd be curious to know more about that. Sure, sure. The show was called Flipping Boston. We were on A&E Network. And um, again, somebody in that seminar education space sent, sent a, uh, I started doing like MC work, right? And, and getting to know a lot of those, those guru guys. And anyway, there's a guy out there um, called uh, Russell Brunson, uh, ClickFunnels is his, his company. So I knew Russell and Gary V was in that group and a few others back then. And he said to me, uh, he sent an email out, just a blast email to the guys he knew. He said, uh, you know, this company in New York's looking for a new talent for a TV show. This was like 2010. 
and they were just thinking about coming back out with reality TV around real estate, you know, because everybody thought it was cancer. Like nobody wanted to watch that. You couldn't find any of this flipping flappy, fluffy, crappy stuff on HGTV back then. It wasn't there. And um, anyway, I sent in an application. I loaded it with profanity to make sure that somebody understood it was, it wasn't your average house flipping guy. You know, Go F Yourself LLC was the name of my company. I just, you know, I was just threw crap in there. It was marketing. I wanted to separate myself. And, um, you know, Kip called me and I hung up on him. I said, I thought I told you not to call me. You know, it was a 212 area code from New York. And I'm like, please call back. He calls back. <laughs> they came out. They shot a, uh, they shot a little pilot uh, with us. And um, the, comment, the comment was funny. The comment from A&E Network was that big English guy looks like he could get pretty angry. I'd like to see more of that. And it was like, okay, here we go. So the first, first four episodes, we figured they'd just be four and done. But we got the highest ratings on the Saturday morning slot that A&E had ever seen. And um, then they turned around and said, give us 13 more episodes. Now give us another 13. Now give us... And it was like, holy crap. Now I'm, I'm just in reality TV mode 24-7 with a camera up your nose. And um, these were your, pro your properties or were you going to other people's houses? No, this was our properties. Okay. And the thing, okay. that's, the thing that's interesting about what we did, like we really did buy fix and flip property. Good. And you appreciate this in your market. We got some old stock. It's not like Las Vegas or Arizona where everything was built in 1960 and it's all right. the same, right? I mean, we got, we got some real stuff. One of the deals we did was uh, built in 1820. So it was like, you know, we had some, we had some good stuff to do. So, you know, we, we really did buy them, fix them, flip them. The numbers were real. My partner, my ex-partner, Peter, he was, he was just an animal, a monster around making sure that the numbers were accurate and they weren't BS. Right. And, um, you know, we got a good reputation. And with that came all the exposure, you know, Squawk Box, Street Signs, Today Show, Rachel Ray. I got a, I got a, uh, I got a check from the Rachel Ray show the other day for, uh, for, uh, I guess we were playing in Turkey or something. And once you, once you play in Turkey, I guess you get a check. Oh, I don't know. Cool. So, you know, it just, just all of that silliness. If that keeps on giving. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's my uh, royalty check. I so think it was five, what, what, 500 what bucks. <laughs> was flipping your bread and butter. I mean, I know you mentioned foreclosures and wholesaling and, and that kind of stuff. I mean, flipping, was that like how you, you became to where you are today? Yeah, I mean, it was it was all of the above. It was wholesaling, flipping, um, small buy and holds, uh, multifamily assets, two to two to six units. Um, I was always in commercial. It's funny. I, I had a discussion with one of our marketing team recently. I got an intern on our on our team here, um, uh, helping us with our marketing for the for the work that we're doing today. And he's like, "Why would anybody listen to you about a private equity funding commercial real estate investments in the Gulf Coast region of Florida, twenty to one hundred and forty units?" You're not a commercial guy. He said, you're the big English guy from flipping Boston, you know, and like, and it was good because out of the mouth of babes. Right. And it was interesting because, you know, my ego wants to slap him and fire him and kick him out the door. But, um, you know, my common sense said he's right. And what, what's interesting is, is, you know, you say was, was, um, uh, you know, flipping my bread and butter. It was just one of many revenue streams through real estate. Um, I love to lend private lending, Hard money lending was part of a hard money lending company for a while um, and commercial real estate, small as well as large. Mm -hmm. um, I coached, I mentored, I trained. Um, I've coached some, some um, companies through large transactions, you know, tens of millions of dollars. And as much as coach somebody on their first wholesale deal and they made 50 bucks, you know what I mean? So um, there isn't a lot that I haven't touched in real estate deeds and um, like uh, tax certificates, that kind of stuff. 
not really my wheelhouse, but there isn't a lot I, I haven't touched for sure. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey guys, just want to take a quick moment and introduce you to a key member of my power team. Dylan Suter is my realtor who's been working very hard to find me amazing deals. And Dylan, I'm a big proponent in working with realtors that are investors. And Dylan is truly an investor. Welcome, Dylan. And thank you so much for being a sponsor. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I want to first thank you for having us as a sponsor. We're really grateful to be working with you and all of the support you've given us over the past couple of years. So thank you so much for that. And our focus as Elevation Realty is to focus our attention primarily on real estate investors that are looking to replace their active income with a passive income and go enjoy what they like most, such as time with the family or up at the cottage, whatever it may be. So what we do is we focus our attention on creating a plan specific for each client, whether that is something they want to have five properties in five years and be able to sit on them for 10 years and then sell them and retire on the the equity. Or if they're looking to scale their portfolio and retire in the next 12 months, we can look at doing that as well through joint ventures or Airbnb short-term rentals. We can talk through buildings, buy, renovate, refinance, single family purchases, and the list goes on. That's awesome. Now, Dylan, if people wanted to reach out and get help from you, where can they go? They can check us out online at www.elevationrealty.ca, E-L-E-V-A-T-I-O-N, realty.ca, or they can email us at info at elevationrealty.ca, Give us a call or text at 905-592-4220 or check us out at The Right Club or other meetup groups that we're usually at as well. Amazing. Thank you so much, Dylan. It is awesome working with you as always. And now back to the show. And now back to the show. No, that's awesome. And I mean, they say the average millionaire has, you know, five plus sources of income. So it is important. I think you mentioned more than five at that point in time, but this is You know, it's not just about doing flipping only. It's not just about, you know, loaning out your money only. I think a good combination of many different things. I mean, you mentioned your, your show, I mean, small world or whatnot, but it's still still different sources of income. And I I think that's a great way to, to get it set up. So what are you really focusing on? You know, if we say today, you know, and fast forward 12 months, like what, what are you doing these days? Yeah. Great questions. Um, Laser, laser, laser focus. That's where we are. I just had a conversation this morning with a gentleman. His name, he doesn't mind me mentioning, Craig Hansen. Craig Hansen was a pitcher for the Boston Red Sox. And um, he also is a commercial real estate investor. And we had a conversation this morning. Um, he's contemplating coming in and investing with our company. And it was like we were talking and he's like, shiny things, shiny things, shiny things. And I'm almost mentoring this guy and coaching him through. And I said to him, I said, let me ask you a question, Craig. I said, when you were pitching for the Red Sox, I said, were you laser focused? Did you show up to be the best pitcher every single day? He went, yeah. I said, did you show up to be the best catcher, to be the best shortstop, to be the best outfielder? He goes, no, I showed up to be the best pitcher. I said, then why are you doing something different in real estate? I said, I get it. There's shiny shit out there, brother. I get it. It all looks really, really good. You know, you get on a webinar. Oh, yeah, I got to get that. I got to do this. No, stay laser focused. So when COVID hit us back in 2020, uh, in March, um, I pivoted out of my hard money lending business, um, took a couple of weeks to lick some wounds and figure out what was next. And um, I didn't wait any longer than that. Some people are still waiting. It's like, come on, man, this train's already left the station a long time ago. So what we did was, is I um, connected with a real good friend of mine, a guy by the name of Walter Navicki down in Fort, uh, Fort Myers. Walter had been a, um, a ground up uh, apartment complex developer as well as uh, apartment complex repositioning. 
taking underperforming apartment complexes, the smaller ones, 40 mm -hmm. to 150 doors, you know, putting in good management, um, also looking at the tenant base, uh, the marketing, uh, deferred maintenance, um, and, and looking at those. He raised um, about $125 million in private equity accredited investors, they're called in the States, um, deployed that capital, which is important. It's no good just raising it. You got to spend it. Uh, he did that and paid uh, double-digit targeted returns to those investors, never missed quarterly distributions. So it's funny, him and I had a conversation. We're like, neither of us have ever, and we're very proud of this, lost one dime of investor capital, nor missed a, nor missed a, uh, a return to those investors. So he said, look, COVID is going to create this opportunity for these mom and pop organizations, we call them, right? They're, they're not professional. They don't have any, any systems in place. They don't have any reserves when, when the crap hits the fan. He said, um, you know, we can do one or two of those. He said, oh, we create a private equity fund. He said, we'll buy them all. And I'm like, hey, I like this. And he's my age. We're in our early 50s. It's not like we're a couple of kids. He's been doing and this. And whereabouts in the U.S. is this? It's all in Florida, just okay. Florida. We're in the Gulf Coast region of Florida. We've got um, assets from Pensacola down to Fort Myers, Tampa, St. Petersburg, uh, Dunedin, um, all through that marketplace. And the reason we, we're targeted right there is because he's been down there for over 25 years. He's, um, you, you know, that, that terminology, uh, a pocket listing, right? Mm -hmm. well, how did you get that deal? It was a pocket listing. Well, I never see deals like that. No, you haven't been here for 25 years, grinding it out, earning a reputation in the marketplace. And, that, and, that's, and that's exactly what it is, right? The reputation in the marketplace. Yeah. Because a lot of these, especially the bigger ones, they don't go yeah. to the MLS. And if they do, then they've been eyeballed by hundreds of yeah. other investors before, before they actually make it. And yeah. these, you know, don't come on the market. So I can't, I can't tell you how many... Reputation. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times an investor or a newbie has come up or somebody who thinks they know what they're doing and they go, there's no good deals out there. And I go, well, why is that? Well, because I, I paid for uh, LoopNet. I've got the very best LoopNet service out there and there's no deals on there. That's because the good deals have already gone. We already bought them. You know, we already bought them. The, and, so, and if you're relying on the MLS, I mean, I don't know about you guys where you are and, and you know, whether it's Florida or Boston or, or whatnot, but the market after COVID, and I wouldn't have imagined that it'd be so crazy. The prices are just astronomical. Like when I'm looking at like year over year increases, we're looking at 20 to 40% year over year increases since COVID started yeah. and everything's got, you know, 10 multiple offers on it. I hope, I hope it's not going to last too much longer because it is, you know, annoying to, to have to, you know, scrape and scrape, but that aside, it's not just the MLS. There's wholesalers. There's you know other opportunities. Sure, sure. You can do some door knocking. You can, you can do your own you know your own marketing or or build those sure. relationships. But I don't know I don't know how how your market is is right now. Well, look, I'm not. I pay absolutely zero attention for a deal in a single family marketplace. The residential marketplace is so ridiculously oversaturated, overpriced. Right. It's like, you know, if somebody says to me, do you want to flip a house? I just laugh at them. I don't care where it is. Unless you're going to give me the house, I'm not necessarily interested in, in getting involved in the equity deployment on a, on a buy, fix and flip, which is why we, we pivoted over to apartment complexes. Because if you look at Florida, for example, where we are, um, 1,500 people a day are moving to Florida. New York City is bailed. Boston's bailed. Miami's bailed. Uh, Chicago bailed. They all got out of the inner cities because of the COVID. And they're all going to the Sunshine State. Um, 
plus it being the number one retirement um, destination in, in America, right? Well, that and I think they've done a pretty good job throughout the pandemic, right? Just, I mean, this is my own personal opinion. Sure. It didn't seem like they were, they were really as, you know. Paranoid? Yeah, like in Ontario, I mean, these <laughs> colors are crazy. We're pretty much getting shut down. Like, you know, we can't go anywhere. Everything's, everything's closed. But it sounds like at least in Florida, they've opened things and they've let people live and let small businesses somewhat survive. Sarah, it's, nice. it's, it's so different. You might as well be living in a different country, right? I just went down to Florida. Um, when was I? Last week I was down there. It was a, an investor mastermind group that they wanted me to talk to. So I go down there and now I get down there. It's like, Eh, mask, no mask. You know, they're aware, but they're not, they're not like to the extremes that we have here in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, what's interesting, that is another really good point for return on investment. Go and do business where business is welcomed. Don't go and do business where they beat you up for being an entrepreneur, where they, you know, they, they, they bastardize you because you, you want to create income for yourself in your investment pool. You know, Florida, Texas, the Carolinas, um, the Republican states. I'm just going to say it out loud. Those are the states where, um, you know, business is, 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 is friendly. Business is welcomed. So down there, you know, we raised, he said to me, let's, let's raise $100 million. I said, okay, let's do it. So you don't just like go raise $100 million. There's a Security and Exchange Commission compliance. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, put together a fund that, I've got investors in England. I've got investors in Canada, Ireland, right? Uh, bringing in, because the institutional, it, it's so funny, the institutional capital, uh, capital um, from international, they're out there and they're happy with, with a par yield, with like a, a 0% yield just to get money out. Like 1% yield is okay for them. And I start looking at what we do in the double digit targeted returns. And you, you'd think we were like selling drugs. I'm like, no, it's, it's real estate. Here's why. We buy at this capitalization rate. We reposition. We sell at this capitalization rate. We get cash flow. We got tenants. These are the people that go to work and make us rich, and we take good care of them for doing so. So, you know, the business model just makes sense. And, um, you and know, I having the – go ahead. Florida, though, in Florida, are you in a state that, you know, market rents can be adjusted as needed, or are you in a yeah. state where it's, like, capped and the government tells you what you can raise no. it? Oh, Again, friendly marketplace, okay. right? If, mm -hmm. if the market demands 1500 a unit, then make your unit valuable enough to charge 1500 a unit. Don't go make your, your unit so valuable that you have to charge 1700 a unit to recoup and make a profit. Right. That's bad business. And that's what a lot of amateurs are out there doing right now. So we identify the underperforming assets. We, we buy B-class assets. So I'm not looking for the really sexy ones with the bikinis, the palm trees, and the swimming pools, right? That's not where I make my money. I make my money in workforce housing. You know, they might have some amenities, a swimming pool or a facility, but it's not the top of the market stuff. Because we go in there, we just, um, you know, do some minor repairs, maybe some kitchen counters, upgrade the appliance package. Uh, all the big stuff is already done. And that just allows us to then say to the tech, because the tenants are waiting for somebody to take care of them. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't, they don't want to do that work or they can't, they're not financially able. So we go in there, do the work. They, you know, they they got pom-poms and cheerleaders when we come in. They're loving it because you, you give them a better environment, you know, and, and then you raise the, it up. where the money's at anyways. I mean, like you, you look at Toronto and you look at a town like Hamilton or, or Brantford or, or St. Catharines, I mean, you'll, you'll, you'll do better from a, a cash flow, you know, a, sure. 
and equity and mortgage pay down perspective, you, you could do okay right. in Toronto, but you're not cash flowing for the majority of the deals. You would have to do something big enough. So, you Correct. know, it, it sounds similar, like, you know, the, the B type of markets or, or uh, you know, areas are, are likely going to bring in more cash flow. Again, not as much in, in Ontario, perhaps as, as other areas, but there's other things that go, that go for it. So it sounds like yes. you guys are, are, are essentially raising money globally, globally. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, and, sure. You're, and you're looking for what accredited investors? Correct, accredited investors. SEC, um, you know, two hundred thousand dollars a year or more as an individual, three hundred as a family, or a million dollars in net worth. Mm-hmm. And it consistently amazes me how people immediately discredit themselves when you say that. And then I say to them, "Well, what about your whole life insurance policy, your retirement accounts, your stock accounts?" And they go, "Oh." Oh, those included as well. I go, yeah. They go, okay. That I get it. We 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 fit. You know, we work. Um, and then and then the, the the return portfolio is 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 pretty aggressive. I mean, we give them the first six percent preferred rate of return, and then they go into a waterfall with us as the general partners in the fund. We do a fund, and then we also do one-off deals as well. They got a different uh, buy box, if you will. But in the fund, they get a six percent preferred rate of return targeted, and then ten to fourteen percent cash on cash. 72 month hold, then we liquidate everything that's in the fund. And at the end of that, they participate in the equity as well. So they get 75% of the cash flow over 6%. And then 75% of the equity uh, when we sell all the assets on the back end. So their internal rate of return targets out at 20% plus. I don't know where else you can go and get 20% plus secured by real estate, right? Protected, secured, and insured. Plus, you get to sit back and reap the rewards passively. Um, you know, can, uh, Canadians don't get the same tax benefits, obviously, that, that an American citizen gets, right? But um, I know that there are ways to uh, work the, t- the, the double taxation standard that you can get a little creative with that and still be okay legally. So, you know, where there's a will, there's a way, right? If, you're, if you think you're doing well because you've got a 4% yield, I'm, I'm going to laugh at you. I'm sorry, I am. I'm just going to laugh at you because um, that's, that's ridiculous in this market out here. But, you, but you've got to have the team. Sarah, you gotta, you got to have the track record and the team and the systems and the process and the lead generation and the banking relationships. Uh, we, got a loan, we got a loan right now. We're taking down 81 units. Uh, got about a million dollars left on the raise, on a $3 million raise. 81 units. Our first lead banking position is coming in at like 3.75%. 3.75% on commercial loans. Are you out, are you out crazy? It's like the Federal Reserve is screaming at us to buy real estate, right? <laughs> so if the Fed wants me to buy real estate, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be a good naturalized citizen of the United States of America. And I swear by almighty God to buy as much cash flow in real estate as I possibly can. Amen. You know what I mean? That's how I look at it. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it, it is pretty cool to see how you've, how you've really started and, and you, you know, where you were a firefighter with, with lots yeah. of that. And, and uh, it looks, sounds like it was credit card debt in the beginning, moved your way up, got a reality TV show, did well with that. And now you're, you know, you're onto the, you know, the bigger, bigger things yeah. and, uh, yeah. and it's a pretty cool market. So yeah. uh, for somebody that's just starting out, you know, maybe just a handful of properties, like have there been some specific steps that you took that really helped propel you yeah. further faster? Yeah, there are. Is is not to be complacent. I'm telling you right now. There's going to be people listening to this conversation that we're having. And in their their internal dialogue is going to go, oh, I got four or five properties. I'm okay. All right. I'm okay. I'm just going to pay it down and let the equity sit there. Um, one of the things that I learned from very, very wealthy men and women was that dead equity is a sin. 
if there's equity in real estate, if there's money sitting in the bank, if it's sitting in low yield CD savings accounts, stuff it under the mattress, you know, you're committing, you're committing a crime and the crime is not allowing it to go free. So it can come back with two or three. All right. So identifying lazy money so that it can get some velocity behind it. And that's not always easy, especially with our, our, our uh, fiscal backgrounds, right? I was told to save money, right? I was told that debt was bad. All of the things that we were, you know, we were conditioned with uh, culturally, both Canadians and, and the English. So, you know, I, I, had to, um, I had to overcome that. I had to overcome the fear of letting it go. And, you know, being the smartest person in any one room is also a way to, to kill growth, right? I don't ever want to be the smartest person in a room. I'm always looking to level up and elevate my game. And I, I highly recommend that everybody does the same or not just sit there doing what you've been doing and keep doing, you know, getting what you've been getting. That's fine too. It's no skin off my nose, but um, you know, that was definitely one of the things that, um, you know, put some trajectory and speed behind. I'm aggressive, Sarah. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to like it if I told you I'm all delicate and touchy feely. I'm aggressive. I do this the same way I did fires. No analysis paralysis for you, I guess. No, make an offer. Why just analyze? Why analyze it so you can put another cell in your spreadsheet and make yourself feel good? Stop it, right? Stop it. I don't care how smart you are. How much velocity of capital do you have, right? Um, make offers. Don't, don't ever analyze anything unless you make an offer on it. Otherwise, you just wasted your time, you know? Right. Do you think that you're... I guess your mindset about, you know, just going ahead and making offers, you know, and maybe analyzing, maybe not analyzing, did that come from where you started from a place of like, oh shit, you had, you know, really nothing and you were in trouble? Is that where that came from? Or did you always have that? Or maybe you can give us some insight on, on how your mindset came to, to be this. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Look, it's a combination, right? So English equivalent of high school, I was a rugby player. Well, when I played rugby, I wanted to destroy everybody on the other side of the field, right? Like that was, that was my goal was to destroy, destroy and win. Like I'm all in. If I'm doing nothing, I'm doing absolutely nothing. If I'm doing something, I'm doing it more than anybody else. You can't outwork me. Uh, you, 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 can't, you can't be more committed to me. I, I don't know why. That's in my DNA. It's just the way I am. And I've also got this... Um, you know, my own, my own personal development journey of this, this fear of, of losing what I have. So I'm always, I'm always moving forward. Um, I just, I was off this weekend. I hang around the house with my beautiful wife and my two boys, 11 and nine. You know, we build some Lego, we watch a movie, we fart around. We don't do anything of any great, you know, significance. And I, I looked at Mary Beth and I said, baby, I feel guilty. She's like, what? I said, I feel guilty. She says, what do you mean? I said, well, I didn't, I didn't do anything this weekend. She said, you did, you a-hole. You spent time with the family. You know <laughs> what I mean? And I'm like, yeah, but that's not. So, you know, that's, that's, that's my DNA. And look, you don't have to have that DNA to be successful. You know, I've learned to, um, you know, to time block a little better, to be more cognizant of my, my nearest and dearest needs. At the end of the day, that's why I do it. So my family can step into their own greatness. My kids can you know, just carry on the journey if they choose to or whatever they want to do when they, when they grow up. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm tenacious. I'm tenacious. And um, I've always, I've got to be in motion. I'm like a shark, right? If I stop swimming, I die. It's that kind of, 
that kind of philosophy, I think. What's, what's been your costliest mistake? I'm sure there has been some throughout mm. the years, you know, and obviously with moving forward at the speed that you're moving forward, there's going to be some, some things that will happen. And, and luckily you're probably moving fast enough that you can yeah. withstand it, but maybe you share some of the, maybe the, the one biggest financial mistake. Yeah. Look, I, um, you're only as good as the people that, that are around you, right? You're only as good as, as, the, as the inner circle that, that you form. And, um, you know, I've made some decisions in my past where every fiber of my body was telling me to choose door A. And yet I let the people around me convince me that door B was the better solution. And, um, you know, I don't need to get into any more specifics than that. Right. But, you know, allowing um, other people's influences um, to override what I knew to be right probably cost me in the region of $50 million in potential earnings. So, you know, it didn't hurt anybody else other than me. Um, but um, I'm, a, I'm an incredibly loyal guy. Loyalty is, is more important to me than anything else. You know, people first, profit second. And um, when, I, when I'm hurt and, um, you know, somebody doesn't give the same amount of loyalty and respect to me that I give to them, um, they don't really get second chances with me. Mm -hmm. um, maybe to a fault. I'm not perfect. But um, I, I, I sincerely um, look at the team around me and know that, you know, we, we, on my own, I'm weak. And with many, I'm strong. So pick the right people, you know, to, to, go, to go to war with, right? Put your head down and go, baby, go. So, um, yeah, who, who, you, who you allow to influence you is critical and um, to thine own self be true, right? Yeah. Fail forward. It's all of that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So, yeah, that's probably it. It wasn't for the right team, right? To, to help Correct. push you in the right direction and to ensure that, you know, the, the goals are being met along the way. So yeah. that is awesome. Dave, the next part of the podcast is a lightning round. I'm going to ask you five questions. Everybody gets the same questions okay. and uh, your answers need to be uh, pretty short and sweet. Like keep them under 10 seconds each. Ready? Yes, ma'am. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Complete Properties. If you need a great property manager to help you in the Niagara, Hamilton, and Burlington markets, reach out to Margaret Cameron at 905-920-7886. She can also be reached at margaret at completepminc.com via email or the website completepropertiesinc.com. All right, question number one, what is your favorite real estate investing book? Rich dad, poor dad. Hate it, love it. Both ways. All right. Sounds good. Number two, I don't know if you are a podcast listener. It doesn't have to be real estate specifically, but do you have a favorite podcast? I don't have a favorite podcast, but Clubhouse is a new social media app that's taken up all my time. So I spend time on, on, on Clubhouse. Awesome. Yeah, it's pretty good. Number three, what do you do for fun aside from real estate? Build high-end adult Lego sets. I just finished the... Uh, the Coliseum, over 10,000 pieces of Lego wow. <laughs> and tropical fish. <laughs> very cool. These are very unique. I've never had anybody say that on the show. Number four, if you lost all your money and your assets tomorrow, how would you start again? Raising other people's money and deploying it in commercial real estate with high yield. You can't take away my knowledge base. So that's where I go. I just go straight to the big stuff. I wouldn't spend all that time in the small stuff. Okay. All right. And last question. If somebody is starting out and they have only $50,000, how would you recommend they spend that money? 
Uh, make sure you're educated. Invest in yourself first. You know, people spend tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars on collegiate education that has no ROI. You know, spend, spend maybe 20000 of that on, on good education, following proven techniques, people who are doing what you want to do at a high level. <clears throat> then start building your team with the other 30000 and make offers and dial in specifically what you're going to be good at. Don't, don't suffer shiny shit syndrome because if you do that, you'll you get knocked off track real quick. That is true. Awesome. Where can the listeners reach out and find out more about you, Dave? Sure. Go to freedomventure.com, freedomventure.com. I'm old school. You can actually pick up the phone and call me, 781-922-4418, 781-922-4418. Google me, Dave Seymour, S-E-Y-M-O-U-R. You'll find me. You'll find me. If you want to find me, you can find me. I'm findable. That's why. <laughs> and, and they could watch probably some reruns of the uh, Flipping Boston. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Google Flipping Boston. You'll get some reruns out there somewhere. If you go to Turkey, you might even get it coming over the TV in Turkey, okay. Slovakia, South <laughs> Africa, Zimbabwe. I don't know where the hell we're playing. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, do they translate all of that in different languages? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's some funny shit right there. <laughs> Dave, with, Dave with a Turkish Slovakian accent. It's funny as hell. It's good. Awesome. And this is the final last questions. And uh, any final last words of advice for my listeners? Yeah, lean into it. You can too. Stop finding excuses. You've got two things you find an excuse or you find progress. It's totally up to you which one you choose. All right, stop making excuses. You can too. If I can, I know anybody can. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dave, for being on the show. Appreciate it. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons and at the time they all seemed very valid. But as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away and eventually only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked. And also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And, you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.